Uh, I'm here with uh, Luca de Montezamolo, the, uh, some would say, fiery head of Ferrari. Uh, Luca, <laughs> stories this week that you uh, actually smashed your own TV whilst uh, watching the Brazilian Grand Prix. Well, see, this, this is true. I broke the 92-inch Plasmatronic Super High Definition Flat Screen Gold Television in my living room. I must admit this. <laughs> well, it's... Uh... It is understandable. Uh, you must have been furious that uh, Felipe failed to clinch the world championship in Brazil. What? No, this was at the start of the race. James Allen, just the sound of his pathetic, reedy voice makes me want to smash and smash and tear and rip. I want to hurt him so badly. I'm so sorry. I thought you were James Allen. Welcome to Gareth Jones on Speed, the show which likes to say, yes, we can. Yes, we can. We can. I can. Can you, Richard? Uh, yeah, I think I can. Uh, well, not on Tuesday, though, because I'm busy. OK, we don't on Tuesday. And I've so got can, you, can you? Pretty much any time. Well, we can, and now America can as well. Although there's one element of America which I want to talk about in the show to kick off today, which might not be able to anymore. General Motors is spending $10,000 trillion billion every 30 seconds just to stay alive, isn't it? Yeah. How long will GM survive on life support? Offers, gentlemen, please. As in, how long will it survive before it gets rescued in some way? Or Will it get rescued? I'd have thought so. I mean, my who, though, I mean... ignorant take on this is that it's just too important a bit of the American economy to be allowed to just go belly up, which is what it will inevitably do without intervention. It Absolutely, just, yeah, this is the problem. But the important thing is they cannot get credit anymore, as most hmm. people can't anymore. You know, this is the, these are the times we're, we're in at the moment. So No one in their right mind would lend money to GM. No, I mean, why would you? You'd be no one do buy... you take one look at the, uh, I don't know, Buick range and go... Yeah. <laughs> the problem is, actually, from a sort of car geek's point of view, with Bob Lutz, God bless his 127-year-old heart, in charge, they're making better cars than they have yeah. for a good 20 years, I think. Certainly yeah. uh, better-looking cars. Now, yeah. I've always had this theory that the way to sell cars... Rule one, make them look nice. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Yeah. Rich, you're, you're much, much better on the, the detail of the consumer car market than, than I am, certainly. But it, it strikes me that GM are really paying the price, to put it crudely, for being a bit too big and dumb and making too many big, dumb cars for too long. You know, they've relied far too much, particularly in recent years, on selling a lot of trucks and SUVs, which they've made sure. a lot of money yeah. out of. But that's what America wanted. Yeah, yeah, but the point is that even before the credit crunch happened. GM was relying too much on the money that it was making from those kinds of vehicles and when they started to go out of fashion, which they did before the credit crunch hit, yeah. you know, they were not in a position to Diversify. Offer, yeah, 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 yeah. They were just, you know, they just relied, they were relying too much on making ten or fifteen thousand dollars for every one of those big clunky silly SUVs. Yeah, well, why not? I mean, in, in a I mean, short sure, term, you can't blame them for doing it in a way, but profitable for them because uh, you know the, the development costs were written down a long time ago because the technology was from the 19th century, essentially. So what but, you're saying is they didn't actually have a range of cars. They had, they were narrow casting. They were all well, basically they're V8s and they're going to weigh over yeah, two and a half no, thousand they, kilograms. They, they weren't. Well, I think the problem is actually that their strengths were in V8s and very very simple cars. And, and at one point that was giving people what they wanted. They then diversified and, and were forced to, I suppose, initially in the 70s 
into smaller cars, uh, four-cylinder cars and things like that. But the, yeah. the problem was that wasn't their field of expertise at that point. And then as they were catching on, the Japanese arrived, yeah. and that was their stock in trade. Yeah. And you look at a Honda Civic... You know, Honda were born to do yeah. small mm. four-cylinder cars because it was sort of natural progression. That's what they started doing. So they did it very well. They did it with high quality at a good price. Mm. And GM were good at making V8 land yachts and trucks. And, mm. and, and, and so by the time they'd sort of caught on to trying to make smaller cars, unfortunately someone had already arrived uh, to they do were it still better. Waiting. And also this has been the sea change, which happened in this country a long time ago, which is that, uh, that people lost that sort of sense of obligation to buy domestic products. Yeah. And people in the US still have that to some degree, but just there's no shame in buying a Toyota anymore. Of course not, and there hasn't been here for a long time. You know, you look at you go to France and everyone drives a Peugeot and a Renault and a Citroen, and oh, a lot of people do. You know, and the same in Italy. Although it is still, I think, yeah, as you say, more true in the States that people like they, they prefer to buy domestic if they can. You know, very few people, I think, in the UK really feel that strongly about buying British cars. It's a smaller part of the... Uh, you can't buy a British-owned car anymore, can you? You yeah, can buy cars built over here. Well, I think the thing is, it's a very sad thing about this country that we'd, yeah, everyone sort of decided suddenly that, that they didn't have to buy a British-made car, but unfortunately the British car industry, in, in a way, did for itself with that because they were just selling inadequate cars. They were selling cars that weren't really what people wanted. We were filming for Top Gear recently, and we, uh, for various reasons, had a uh, Ford Cortina 1600E. The Mark II. Lovely. And I looked at this car. Now hang, on, hang on, hang on, hang on. It wasn't hang on, grey, hang on, hang on. Gareth, Gareth oh, has no. become absolutely engorged with excitement at just the mention of this. I forgot to tell you off air about this one, but oh, it was fabulous. Oh, and yeah, it was. Have you got a glass of cold water? Oh, <laughs> so the thing is, right, I sorry, I've here. had me moments. You can carry on. I was looking at the 1600E, and I was just thinking, <sighs> even now, you look at that car and you just think, they knew exactly what they were doing. They were giving mm. people... It yeah. looked great. Now, that yeah. dish steering wheel, the wooden yeah. dashboard, oh. the wheels, oh. everything about it. And, and even if you yeah, couldn't right. afford a 1600E and you could only afford a basic Cortina, at least it gave you something within the same range to aspire to. Ford have always been very good at that. Now, Ford have moved out of, of, of Britain manufacturing-wise uh, a while ago, but they do still... I mean, the new Fiesta was developed here. But they tend to do it right. It may not be sort of super flashy, talent. but they yeah, do it right. they do it right. And it's something that British Leyland is, you know, the biggest... The biggest uh, car maker that we had signally failed to do you yeah. know because they thought they could set the agenda rather than actually asking people what they wanted so for Ford went well you know what would you, you you've got a Cortina what would you like to see in your next Cortina and they'd go well I want a dish steering wheel and I want fancy alloy wheels and I want spot lamps in the grill and then and then they'd go and build that car whereas BL would just have this prescriptive attitude where they'd say what you want is a maxi although, to, 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 although to play devil's advocate to some extent manufacturers they have to go beyond simply giving people what they yes. want. They, oh, have no, to have the, they have to have the foresight yes. to you know, kind of imagine what people are going to want in five years' time, ten years' time. But it has time, to be tempered with building something that makes you money and is a breadwinner in, in the way that, say, you know, we wouldn't have the Renault Espace without them going out on a limb there. And, you know, mm-hmm. in the first um, few months, yeah. they sold sort of five of them or something. But at the same time, it was OK because they were knocking out enough Renault Fives to a, a receptive French public who would always buy domestic to be able to to bankroll what initially was a failure and they invented a class of vehicles yeah exactly yeah. another thing i mean british leyland actually the failing of british leyland has not said enough is the fact that they were too clever I mean, in some ways, they were too stupid. They, they made the wrong, the wrong cars. The wrong t- yeah, they were clever in engineering terms, you know, hydroelastic suspension and, and all these kind of things that, that, that no one else was daring to do. You know, Ford brought out the front-wheel drive Escort in 1980, and it was hailed as, like, a revolution. It's like, well, hang on a minute. Mm-hmm. Slowland had been doing front-wheel drive for years, but no-one wanted it because, actually, mm-hmm. the fleets 
were scared of that kind of thing. And then British Lane rushed out the marina, which was basically just a Morris Minor clubman. You know, it's sort of, there, there was. Uh, I, that's not. I'm, I'm going to bore wanna, for England. No, now, that's very good. I want to. I want to bring we this. We were back. talking about GM. Weren't yeah, we? exactly. Yeah. I want to bring this back to GM. You're quite right about GM not diversifying simply because they were incapable of diversifying. As I remember, the first and the biggest selling GM small cars were all actually Japanese cars. You look at Geo, the range which GM sell in America as their small car, or mm. certainly did until fairly recently. Uh, they were Suzuki's. Mm. Um, they had cars built by the new union of motor... New me, what's it called? NUMI. It was the Toyota Corolla was built and sold as a GM in America. I remember thinking at the time, oh, God, you know, the rot setting in here. Unless they're really developing their own technology to do these things, they are surrendering to a greater power who have that technology. And I think their days are numbered. I remember thinking this 15, 20 years ago, but I never actually thought that it would come to what's happened this week. This is the BBC's GM in me 2008. Here's Terry. And we'll be seeing a lot more from Nutsy Bear tonight on GM in Need. Hello and welcome back. Now your donations are still flooding in to help those American car makers less fortunate than us. But we still need your money. And in case you need any encouragement, here's a short film that will show you why your money can make a difference to an automotive giant once so vibrant and interesting, now so unfortunate and crap. I should warn you, what you're about to see contains a rear three-quarter view of the 2008 model Chevrolet Impala, which you will find upsetting. Step Petrol! We've got a speed! I spent some time with some motoring journalists last week talking about GM. We tried to reason out between us, well, what's going to happen? Who's going to go where? GM are going to have to start selling off some of their crown jewels in the way that Ford have, luckily, ahead of the pack to save some money. Mm. The first to go, Corvette. Who's going to buy Corvette? A Dubai concern? Someone from the Middle East? If you think about it, that's where the money is for cars with big engines at the moment. So perhaps Corvette, because it's not a Chevrolet anymore, mm. it's a Corvette. It's a brand in its own right. Okay, so they've sold Corvette and they've got some money to keep them going for another few months, perhaps long enough until Barack Obama's empowered to give them the credits and the, the loan that GM and Ford have asked for, mm. which they've got to wait for till January at least, if they can mm. hang on there. Okay, that's Corvette taken care of. Now then, Chevrolet. Hmm... Who's going to want Chevrolet? Only America, although it's starting to make some inroads in Europe at the expense of Vauxhall, to a point, really, and Opel, to a point. Although with, with Chevrolet, one might just ask the question, how much does the Volt come into this as being a part of their future business that's actually worth anything? I mean, you know, is it mm. just well, too much vaporware at the moment to be worth anything, or is it actually, you know... Uh, going somewhere, is it is it worth anything? This will tip something. You know, we've read that the Vault is coming to Europe. We've, we've heard this. It's going to be a Vauxhall-badged Vault. It could be an Opel-badged Vault. Or is it going to be a Chevrolet-badged Vault? Well, everyone said that, well, no, it's definitely going to be a Vauxhall-badged Vault. No, no, they're going to bring it in as a Chevrolet. No, no, it could be the return of Opel to Britain. The truth is, the official line of this, and I have it on a reasonably good source, I think, no decision's been made. 
It could be any one of those three. We could see a Chevy Volt. We could see an Opel Volt in Britain. We could see a Vauxhall Volt. But let's assume that they're in such bad straits they've got to hammer home their core brand, Chevrolet, that we could see them holding out making the Chevy Volt available as a Chevrolet in Britain, not the Daewoo Chevrolet, but Chevrolet instead of Vauxhall. Well, this is, the thing, I mean, this is the, absolutely the problem with Chevrolet. You look at all of the successful car companies at the moment, certainly, and a lot of them are German, and they have a consistent feeling and an image around the world. A Porsche means the same to someone in Australia the same as it yep. means someone in America a world car. someone here as someone in Germany yep. it holds a certain station not necessarily a good image always but at least it's consistent I think BMW the same, Rolls Royce the same Bentley the same, Audi the same, Audi the yeah. same. Uh, I would say Volvo are probably the same as yeah, well, agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. you know there's, there's yeah. certain things, Suzuki. Uh, in a way Ford are the same, you know yep. Ford are kind of honest everyday yep. cars yep. around the world. There's no one country in the world that thinks that Fords are wildly prestigious, yep. nor are they absolutely bottom of the barrel. Mm. They're just there. They're Marks and Spencer sort of cars. Look what GM do. They split up their core brand into territories. Vauxhall in Britain, Opel in Germany and Ireland and the rest of Europe. But I mean, that's got to be doing damage. Is, yeah, no, no. This, this, Chevrolet well, doesn't that's, have that's that. That's OK. Profile. Chevrolet, what the hell does Chevrolet mean? In the US, it's one thing, which I guess is kind of, uh, is again, sort of everyday, fairly cheap cars. But then in the UK, what they're selling are rebadged Korean cars. It doesn't really ring true. There's no consistency there. It's just a badge that's lazily glued to different cars. So there's no clarity of thought there. I mean, Volkswagen's another case in point. Volkswagen actually isn't as consistent because in in this country they're regarded as slightly a cut above Ford and Vauxhalls. In Germany and France and places like that, they don't have that extra edge, even Mm -hmm. though their cars in many ways feel slightly more quality. Yeah, yeah. But Engineer, there's yeah. no if you look at their advertising and this is where you open a a French or an American or an Australian car magazine and there'll be an advert for case in point BMW there. The typeface, the attitude that's sold in the advertisement, the everything about it, even the slogans in English speaking countries will always be the same. There's a yeah. complete clarity unity of yeah. thought yeah. about what they're trying to sell you. And of course because half of it's marketing and it's all puff, but that's half the battle. Yeah. That's why Volkswagen have been so successful in this country, because they've managed message. to sell the idea, yeah. if only everything in life was as reliable as a Volkswagen. Yeah. You know, VW's reliability stats, if you look at them, are actually no better than the average Ford maybe. But we, we believe them to be We believe them, because it was all predicated yeah. on the Beetle, which was yeah. more reliable than the slop that was being sold to people yeah. in the 50s. Well, and they're also playing on that, I think, that general idea that, you know, German industry produces yes. good, solid, reliable yes. products, yes. well-engineered. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, this whole line of thought would suggest that you would not market the Volt as a Chevrolet in Europe. But is there an argument that because it would be such a different kind of product, you're breaking with a petrol engine car, this is a whole new kind of thing? No, I think it would sink it. I think it would... Well, because the reason know, the Prius has been a success, smoke and mirrors exercise though it is, is because it comes from Toyota as mm. well, a name you can trust. People yeah, yeah, know the yeah. one thing about Toyota is it's reliable. So... If you're going to put your faith in new technology, buy it from someone you need a respected has, brand. Has, yeah. Yes, yeah. has a history of, yeah. above all else, reliability. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's Not, probably true. I'd buy a yeah. Toyota computer because yeah, I yeah. would believe it would be reliable. No, you that's wouldn't. You'd buy an Apple just like your last computer. <laughs> well, there you go, see, there's loyalty. Uh, this is the thing. We're talking about a, a combination of 
basically engineering but smeared like yeah. thick marmite over the top marketing yeah. and like marmite marketing stinks and is an acquired taste but <laughs> nonetheless it is an evil that we have to live with okay uh, let's come back to the rescue plan for GM well, right? is that what we're talking yeah, about yeah the rescue oh, plan yeah. for GM oh, well, well, back last year, I, I think what you're saying is they need to ditch all their brands actually, while we were having that lengthy conversation GM have gone bust <laughs> it could have happened actually just check your pockets how much money have we got on this because we yeah, might yeah, actually be able to right. buy actually, it I, I took yeah. a load of cash out before uh, so I've got about 80 quid but this tenner is in case Rover comes up for sale again yeah so I've got 70 quid to buy GM. I reckon that wouldn't buy GM, but I would take Chrysler off their hands. Uh, ah, no, here they're we... not going to have Chrysler. They can't afford it. They haven't got the cash. No one's going to buy GM as a private venture group. They couldn't possibly sustain such They'd a They'd buy the assets. They would buy it to yeah. strip the assets out. Yeah. They would not buy it as yeah. a going concern. Okay. Yes. Now, in terms of brand, you know, they could sell Corvette. They could sell Cadillac. Could they sell Cadillac to oh, Vauxhall Opel, to GM Europe? Would that be an interesting what, but, but, rival well, brand? They're on their third attempt to sell yeah. Cadillac in it's Europe. It's not working, is it? It's never worked. Yeah. Because, and this is why, interesting, I was going to say, they changed Deus to Chevys in Europe, was, again, based on market research. They got a bunch of people in the room, and they went, have you heard of Deus? And everyone went, mm, not really. And they went, have you heard of Chevrolet? And everyone went, oh, yeah, I've heard of them. All right, we'll call them all Chevrolets. Yeah. Didn't say, oh, you know, what, but, what, what do they mean to you? And because mm. the thing is, they, they mean huge 50s finned yeah. land yachts. Yeah. It'd be like going, well, okay, so have you heard of Girls Aloud to a bunch of pensioners? And they'd go, no. Have you heard of Elvis Presley? Oh, yeah, I've heard of him. All right, well, yeah. we'll change the name of Girls Aloud to Elvis Presley. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't mean that Girls Aloud are <laughs> Elvis, Elvis Presley, Presley yeah. or have yeah. any history with that. It's just slapping a name on because people in a focus group have heard of it. Who's going to bail out GM? I reckon the Chinese are the best bet if Europe can't do it. Well, strictly but, speaking, the Chinese are bailing everybody out. So yeah, yeah, yeah. In the end, yeah. Well, so, Buick Well, is... I was starving the other day and my local Chinese restaurant bailed me out. <laughs> hey! A 19, a 74 and some prawn crackers. Hi, uh, thank you. The GM model. Yeah. The Chinese love Buick. When I was there, all the GM models sold in China are Buicks. Mm. I forget the name of the precise model. Some of them are, in fact, rebadged Kia or Hyundai. Oh, there's a whole mishmash of stuff going it's on over there. Absurd, they sell, you know, it? my Vauxhall VXRA yeah. is uh, the uh, basic Holden version of that is sold in China as a Buick, I think. I know. It could well be. Or is that? It's also sold in the Middle East as a, as a, as a Chevrolet, I think. That would make perfect sense. No, you see, yeah. these... A kind of places where it's almost like a, a, everything to play for. Buick got in there very early. GM went in there and decided that Buick was the name they were going to use to sell cars there. In the same way that Rover, when it was snapped up by the Chinese, you know, it was everything to play for because they'd been isolated for so long in China that they didn't have any of these preconceptions. They'll almost sort of go for any brand. That Something is, that, you know, yeah. but you the, can the, sell the, them a little bit of history. It doesn't go, come back. We, we, we yeah. build beautiful old cars because if you cherry pick through, say, Rover's history or Buick's history for that matter, mm. you could make it look fantastic. Yeah, and you could gloss yeah, over some yeah. of the, some of the worst things that that they did and just and present them as the fantastic. I drive a Wolseley. Exactly. Well, yeah. I bet you could. I bet uh, you yeah, could. yeah, yeah, yeah. Easily. O'Reilly. Yeah. yeah. The um. Except, unfortunately, Riley means dog poo. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Well, it probably, I mean, it might do. Here's another thing about you know uh, uh, renaming cars. That's another discussion for another day. Oh, that'll come. Don't worry. Don't worry. So, my final thought on the whole GM thing, you know, apart from trying to sell off the various components and hope that they make it through till January, there is one winner out of this. I think one clear winner. Us, we've had an hour of conversation. Out. There is that element, <laughs> but also I think the Ford Motor Company, the death of GM, 
in Ford are in a slightly better position. They're than burning GM. more money a day, though. Are they? Yeah, yeah. But the, yeah, they're kind but of they've got, to topple. So, but they've uh, got more coffers. You know, a little bit more uh, than GM. They have, and, and also, what's interesting about Ford is that, that Ford of Europe makes money. Yeah, yeah. Don't Ford have a similar set of liabilities in terms yeah. of, you know, of pensions and all that? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. This is ultimately what has has got them into so much trouble: is their their pensions and healthcare liabilities, and also the fact that in other countries where they could have been more ruthless. I mean, the UK in the eighties under Margaret Thatcher, for example, where she decimated the unions and then was able to close mm. a big mm. chunks of British Leyland, is something that no American administration has been able to do. So mm. the auto unions are one of the most powerful in, in, in the whole of the US, and so it's very difficult to just lay people off. And if you do, you have to pay them a pension and a health care. Mm. So maybe my theory that uh, the only survivor out of all of the GM collapse is Ford uh, ain't going to happen. It looks like Ford could go down to... Something interesting will happen to Ford within the next six months. Ford GM merger, maybe? (sighs) That's heresy, that is. Okay, guys, times are hard. Backs against the wall. We need to think of a way to make General Motors some money and fast. Uh, Steve, uh, I I think I got an idea. Sexy American car industry executives are just one call away. Oh yes, my live rear axle makes my ride so hard. Yeah, baby, the air conditioning in my office has been disconnected, and it's making me really hot. Do I have to do this? Just do it, okay? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Intensive cost-cutting measures have made my blinker stock action real stiff. Call 1-900-555-4500. Desperate American car industry executives are waiting for your call now. One of the things I keep meaning to do on this ridiculous programme that we make, but I never get around to doing, is responding to emails. I often write back to people who write to the show, but I often think that it's worth passing this stuff on to Richard and Zog, and more importantly to you guys at home, to let you know some of the quality communications that we get. Here's one which is very appropriate for tonight, and if this was a TV show and not an audio show, this would make even more sense than it does. It's from someone called Looking Spiffy. It says, fan of the podcast, etc. Can I buy you a parent tip brown? nose brown nose good start to an email that fellas isn't it? We're, being, we're being offered to buy a pie. yeah buy a buy. i like that what are we still doing here it says the reason for this email is i had a dream the other night where i was in a combination of the reading festival the monaco grand prix and the le mans 24 hours an endurance race on the streets of monte carlo with a load of bands playing and tents everywhere one of the details that i can remember from it was that you lot that is richard zog and gareth were also in attendance Wearing matching wraparound amber sunglasses. <laughs> yeah, we've, I don't think we've ever worn matching anything in our How lives. How does he know it's what a, we look like? But, but it does well, look, I know he knows what you look like. <laughs> yeah. You're off the telly, but me and Zog, yeah. it, it, it I'd does, love to know what we look like in this man's dream. It, it does sound like a kind of event, though. So you think he's, you know, he's, I know. it's about right bands and and uh, live yeah, interior. And this is the killer line. This is the one. This is uh, also. Richard had a beard. <laughs> man is Richard's psychic. wearing a beard today. Ironically, I have. Time. Can you hear this? 
Yeah, you can, I have got a beard. I just I've, I've run out of shaving gel, and I'm not a. a Rub it against the windshield. Oh, Go on, can I just do that? Oh, that's that's a pleasant sound. I I I ran out of shaving gel. I'm not a very well dressed man at the best of times. I don't shave often, and I've just I haven't shaved for like two or three weeks. And uh, but the thing is, I'm going to the classic car show tomorrow, so I thought I'd keep the beard on so that I can bond yeah. with all the people there. Going, oh, oh, I've had a chrome. And it says, uh, um, I bet you got to my imaginary festival racy thing in a helicopter or a massive yacht. Actually, I went in a Gilman Invader. I went on a yacht. <laughs> you went on a yacht, <laughs> didn't you? Will you say hello to the Gilman people tomorrow at the uh, uh, classic yeah, car show? They'll oh. be there. I won't go into the rest of the details of that. It's a bit worrying, that email. But what? looking spiffy, <laughs> thank you very much. That was much. a bit of an Alan Partridge moment. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's another one. I'm going to uh, pick this up off the uh, No, you're not. You're going to read the next one. Gareth, Richard and Zog write Gordon Mellis, who's the logistics manager mm-hmm. for Husky Oil China Limited which is kind of nice. Mail from the other side of the world. He says, uh, uh, Gareth, Richard and Zog, uh, greetings from a Brit in China. Question for you as an A1 GP expert. With the advent of the new A1 GP cars, what's going to happen to all the old Lolas? Racing schools, experience days, or the ultimate track day car? Never seen any advertised. Are they too complex to be run, maintained, or driven by a mere mortal? Will they be sold on the open market? Are you still with A1 GP? No, I'm not. Not you do know your stuff. I know me question. A1GB go stuff. On, it's a great question. Um, well, the, the truth is that they're keeping the chassis. Um, A1 are hanging on to the Lola chassis. They're going to mothball them. They're going to they're store them somewhere. Out, aren't they? They're the really they're worn bit, out. Yeah. Towards the end of the third season, they were so worn out they were barely holding the wheels on. Seriously, they were really, really, really worn out. Really worn out. But so the engines, can't... they can't run them because they haven't got the engines because they never owned the engines. They were leased from Z-Tech. So they've got Zy- Zytec. There yes. I go again. <laughs> Lease from Zytec. And of course, you could stick new engines in them, but yeah. if the chassis are a bit, yeah, a bit knackered, a bit so, so we probably won't be seeing them for sale no. anytime soon. You think, no, yeah. they won't. I don't think you could buy one. They'll be just, just bolted to rich people's walls, if anything. Yeah. Yeah, they might make offers. But great question, that, wasn't it? Great question. That's a really yeah. good question. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what happens to all racing cars? Yeah. Most of them go to Donington, don't they? Oh, that's a great museum. Have you been to the Donington Museum? No, I haven't. Yes. I've heard it's very good. Ooh, isn't it? Luke writes from I don't know where Prestati possibly in North Wales because he sent us some pictures of a rather nice <laughs> Porsche uh, in, in golf colours oh, they were they were what, nice pictures Prestati? yeah which yeah, I, I, I sent to, to Zog oh which how many emails have we got here um, uh, loads loads that's why I have to press oh on God. but thank you for that we appreciate you guys reacting to the various things that we talk about on the programme Zog is now going through his iPhone there it is we found There's the picture the car, Whoa! is that, is that, is that a 997 in 997? golf colours yeah, yeah beautiful. Sure. well it's not golf colours because it's grey but it's, no, no, but it's but brilliant it, all, the, all the same as you say it's grey but it's the golf stripe hey. and the golf yeah, logo yeah, hey. so it's uh, yeah it's that lovely. Is, that nice. works, don't you think? Good yeah. wheels as well. And actually, speaking of golf colours, there was a, there was a, oh, a very low-slung kit car of some kind, I think it was, that I just caught out of the corner of my eye driving through Ballam last week in golf colours. Don't know if anybody knows what that is, but uh, I'd be interested to know what... Uh, if mm, anyone's listening in Ballam, have a look. Yeah, uh, what was that? I had to write about the odd car game out. Long-time listening. Do you remember this? We debated which company had to go GM or Ford or Citroen or Lancia this game Someone says, as an American, certainly the Ford versus GM debate hit home a little differently. I like the Mustang better than the Camaro, but there's no denying the Corvette's legacy, whether at Le Mans, at the track, or passing, or getting passed by one, or their awesome capability of the amount of money you would pay. But there's one Ford I simply cannot believe that you forgot to mention, which is worth erasing GM for all time. 
the Ford GT40. Come on, guys, how could you miss that? Did we miss that? It's we a, did completely it's a very, miss it. Very good point. Yeah, I mean, I've, good catch. He's got us. Hmm. Andy Chittam, we didn't say actually, there was no sort of small print that said this was going to be a complete list of all Fords and GM cars we're saving or losing, but you're right, we did miss it. And a big you could one argue there. that we were sort of focusing on, you know, kind of production road cars yeah. rather than, you know, the race oriented stuff. Also, but, it um, does rather prove this show is completely unrehearsed and that we. <laughs> yeah. Here's another one. Do you remember we went to the motor show? Well, you didn't, Richard, but we went to the motor show. Yep. Sog and I spent some time on the Alfa Romeo stand. You've probably seen pictures of this in all in all the papers. We were looking at the Mito and the... Yeah. yeah. What colour were the cars? They were red. Rosso red? They were all red. Every single car on the Alfa Romeo mm. stand was red. They were mm. beautiful. It looked great. Here's someone, I don't have the name, but they went to the show. He says, he spoke about the colour of the cars on the Alfa Romeo stand. My cousin went to the show at the weekend. When they were looking at the Mito, they asked if the colour is available to buy, and apparently it's not. But the factory might do it for £15,000 more what? than the range-stopping Mito itself. You could have it gold-plated for fifteen grand. <laughs> really? That's yeah. a nice note. Nice bit of info, that, isn't it? That is. That's good. It was good a skill. I'm hoping you can use your deep cover contacts in the motor industry to expose the travesty that is those annoying non-cars they use in insurance adverts, oh, writes yeah. Mike. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know the ones? They look just like a popular mainstream family hatch but have no defining features. What are they afraid of? That a manufacturer will sue them for offering to insure one of their cars? Anyone with even an ounce of intelligence knows it's a Peugeot 307 with a D-badge grill of a Corsa photoshopped on. It's an insult to our intelligence and irritating. I love car fans. It's a good question. Well, you see, I think that's always quite good fun when you see those because, uh, you know, the, the inner geek, my beard is strong, can... <laughs> Uh, can, can then uh, spend some time trying to work out what it is. Interestingly, uh, once upon a time, ages ago, I was doing a TV thing and we had to get a bunch of scrap cars, which we got from a company called Bickers, uh, who were based out in East Dave Andrews. Bickers! Dave Bickers! I, let me tell you about my Dave Bickers experiences. I've launched a Vauxhall Nova 60 feet in the air off an air gun with him. Yeah, Canon, that's why we needed him. Yeah, Dave what Bickers a man. Used to do uh, all the stunts in the Bond films. Yeah, that's right. Stuff yeah. Like that. he, yeah, and, yeah. and he built the Metro that went up the lighthouse. Do you remember the advert in the 70s? Yes. And the yeah. Metro that went to yeah. the lighthouse. It had a little uh, 70s, Mr. Jones. The Metro was launched in 1980. God damn this beer! Damn your It was the 80s. You're right. They put a, a second engine in the Metro in, to drive the rear wheel, so it actually go up the steps in a lighthouse. Ah, uh, no, the Bickers, Bickers, for the, 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 this sort of stunt and uh, vehicle specialists who build unique cars for TV and film and they did this thing with an air cannon for us and they brought down a bunch of scrap cars that we could fire off the air cannon and one of them was on closer inspection. A Toyota Celica convertible from the late 80s. Oh, Crayford? Or was no, it no, the California one? I remember they did a the, the yeah. factory, factory yeah. job, which they sold here briefly, but it yeah. was preposterously expensive and no one bought it. Yeah. But you wouldn't tell that at first because the, the front and the back didn't look right. And it was because it had been used in an insurance advert. And they built it specially. And this oh, is what really? there are these companies, and one of them is, ah. is, is Bickers Action in, uh, in East Anglia, who do this they modify the cars now I don't know about insurance adverts I, I agree with our correspondent there but I'll tell you where they, they I think they do have to modify them because they don't want to get in trouble is uh, breakdown adverts because uh -huh. when the AA advertising something they don't want to 
imply that Volkswagen. Imply. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, obviously yeah, they just yeah. use an alpha. Everyone would go, well, yeah, fair enough, yeah. including alpha. But uh, but but then they don't. They don't dare risk that, so they they have them modified. Of course, as right. a geek, you can always tell what car. Well, it is. You, it's a game. It's a I game. don't object to this at all. Yeah, I, think I love it. Great okay. game. Okay, here's one from Gavin Brown in Odense in Denmark. I didn't choose these five geographical. Um, Hello, merits. Denmark. Yeah, hi, Denmark. Um, this is great. Now, this is one to try. Hi guys, he writes. I won't do it in Denmark accent. No, um, absolutely love the show. Really entertaining to listen to. I look forward to each episode. Thank you very much. Anyway, after watching "Don't Call Me Carface Two, I had a chance to encounter with a colleague at work while she was eating an orange, <laughs> which reminded me of another Carface. Try this one out. So, if you're at home now and you've got an orange, your boys, you do this as well. Imagine you've got an orange. Here we go. Stick a crescent-shaped segment of orange peel. Other citruses are available. I like that. Um, <laughs> in your mouth, so that the peel is in front of your teeth, but behind your lips. We've all done that, right? Mm, We've yeah, all done yeah. that, right? Classic. Make your eyes as wide and as bug-eyed as possible. Now, for extra points, try crossing them at the same time. Oh, I can do that. Okay, I can do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Finally, make as big a smile as possible. Voila, the Peugeot 107. There you hey. go. <laughs> Hey, actually, have you seen they've facelifted the Peugeot 107? There's some pictures released this week. What they've done is, yeah, orange peel in the mouth, like Marlon Brando in The Godfather, I think, who invented that look. That's right. And, um, <laughs> but they've now put this big silver bar in it. So basically, it looks like a teenager with a brace on its teeth. That's true, yeah. Bloody awful face. Yeah, yeah, really yeah, bad. Yeah, yeah. That'll be in the next car face. Don't you worry. I'll find the first teenager I can and say, stand there and look like a Peugeot. Okay. <laughs> Gareth Jones was arrested this week. <laughs> For approaching teenagers. Uh, hi, team. Gareth's comments about the ITV F1 ident had me thinking. This is great. The Sony ident was five seconds long, and the silly ITV ident with the roulette wheel after it was another five seconds. If we average perhaps five advert breaks per live qualifying show and eight per ratio, that's a total of 13 adverts, 26 ident airings, 18 races a season, 460 ident airings per season, and 10 seconds each. That's one hour and 18 minutes of pure <laughs> identry alone per season. <laughs> Season. No wonder it's been getting on a tip so much. Yeah, thank you, Doug and Lester. That's a Why useful... aren't some of these people doing this show? No, That's great. Really clever they are now. Else. They are now. They're contributing. I okay. can't believe you haven't read these out before. This I know. Is, I didn't realise our readers were, our listeners were so clever. They're great. And they're, they're funnier and cleverer than we are. It's not that difficult, though. Hi, Gareth. Richard and Zog. I was listening to your show today when you started on the Wacky Races thread. I know I'm probably hideously behind. I was amused by the fact that you think that DC is Peter Perfect, since my partner has observed that Schumacher and Massa are the perfect dastardly and mutley. Yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do Choking. He's right. He's, he's right. P.S. Gareth, can you say hello to Bobby Troman? Oh, yes, sir, I will. That's a personal note. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and that concludes the emails for the moment. Otherwise, we'll, we'll be here forever. You've been listening to Gareth Jones on Speed. He was Richard Porter. Goodbye. He was Zog. Goodbye. And I'll leave you with a odd piece of music, uh, which I recorded in the style of Jake Thackeray. Now, either you know who Jake Thackeray is, or you don't. He was a big hero of mine in the 1970s, a Yorkshireman who sung odd songs in a French style. But um, this is not Jake Thackeray. This is my version. This is fake Thackeray. And uh, as a final nod to GM, this one's called the Vauxhall Casa Nova. See ya! Bye. Bye. This is a song about loving your car a bit 
I've always thought it's a very good idea to wash and clean your car. But to hoover it and polish it and wax it all day might be taking things too far. It's nice to look clean, but that could be obscene and not heard of. It's not a must. To stroke a car's bonnet and rub up its bumpers is bordering on lust. His roving eye looks at wings, not her thigh, the mind of a wild rover. The grip of the tire, the look of love, he's a Vauxhall Casanova. Verse 2 Oh, they're pretty and they're slick and they're quicker than us And many of them are fun And remember to care for them whatever you do Cause a car is just like a woman They need caressing and steering and warming up Before they can perform They get up to speed quicker And they're lots more fun The more recently they were born His roving eye looks at wings Not her thigh The mind of a wild rover The grip of a tire The look of love from that Vauxhall Casanova. His thoughts are much coarser, his ideas are crude. He plays pocket snooker with his balls and his cue. He's not lusting for girls, though he sees their appeals. He's not moved by their legs, cause his fantasies all have wheels. His roving eye looks at wings, not a thigh, the mind of a wild rover. The grip of the tire, the look of love from that fox or Casanova. His roving eye looks at wings and not thighs, the mind of a wild rover. The grip of the tire, the look of love from that fox or Casanova. Cars are sexy of that, there's no doubt. They have curves and backsides and fronts. We love them and want them and we'd sleep with them too if only they had... Get more info on this show at garethjones.tv Write to the show on speed at garethjones.tv or subscribe free at the iTunes store. Gareth Jones on Speed is made by Whizbang. Whizbang!